podiobooks.com in association with pjvalentine.net and writersexchange.com presents Weaver's Web, written and read by Philippa Valentine. Jerris rose before dawn. As she may lay curled, cat-like on its bed, moonlight silvering her face. Copper hair spread in great curling waves across the bed. It locked the image away inside itself, himself, whatever she'd made it. I know what love and joy is now, Jerris thought, and knowing that I can go on. It wandered from the tower, letting the soft rain that had started up fall on its face, tasting the sting of freedom. Life was suddenly very precious, something that Jerris had never thought it would feel. This was Ashime's gift. Up to the battlements it went, its feet striking the stone unerringly with its preternatural sight. It looked out over the weavers. They slept too. Like a hunter that hesitates before running a deer too long and thereby making the flesh stringy, the weavers let them have their time. After all, there was nothing else, and nowhere else for them to go. Tomorrow, Jerris whispered, tomorrow I will come. Promises, promises. Connor's soft bird voice startled Jerris. The young Sitkan leaned in the shadow of the tower, his eyes half-hooded. Jerris smiled wryly. Remember, Connor, how Roso told us to look after Ashime before we left for the islands? Surely do. Then I ask the same thing of you. Connor stared at it hard, before nodding. I'll do my best. Then I can rest easy. They stayed that way a while, Jerris glad that the other asked no questions. The night was chill, and it suddenly didn't want to be here any more. For one night at least it could pretend. Draping its familiar male form about it, Jerris decided that even the most jealous gods could not begrudge it one night curled up against Ashimei. It turned to leave. The Sitkan was at its shoulder, clasping it in a display of comradeship that Jerris hadn't expected. Take care, my friend. Connor murmured, and if you can, come back to us. The younger man must guess, must sense something different in the air, but still he felt moved to say that. Jerris clasped his hand firmly, but said nothing. Friendship, too, was honey. There was, of course, one more thing to do, and it would have to be done now. For a few minutes at least, Ashime would have to wait, but only for a few minutes. Mornings come as mornings must. Ashime shifted drowsily for a moment, believing that all of the past must be a dream. Then she recalled. Twisting sensuously in the warm sheets, she tried to shake those thoughts loose. Jerris was at her side. Already he was wearing leather trues and boots. The morning sun dappled his bare chest in a thousand shades of gold. He was painfully beautiful to her. A mug of faintly warm, fragrant mead was slipped between her fingers. She tried to pretend she was still asleep. You're not the type of person to turn away from the truth, Ash. Jerris gently chided her. They rested against each other, slip... sipping on the mead. Jerris couldn't know it was the traditional drink of newlyweds. Ashimay smiled secretly to herself over the bitterness in her heart. After the mead, they dressed each other. 
each belted on the armour of the other as lovingly as if it were fine silk. Each buckle and strap was fixed with another step closer to reality. They walked down the stairs to the assembled survivors of Crisfell. Ashime ran her eye across them. Of all the tribes on all the islands, only twenty survived, and altogether they only numbered two thousand. Her jaw twitched. Jerris squeezed her hand and then let it fall. She knew what to do. My people, today we fight for our very survival. We are fleeing, yes, but there is no shame in that. We are merely retreating to lick our wounds. One day we will return to Crisfell and beloved Skellig. One day we will return to crush the might of the weavers. You have my word upon it, the word of your high chief. They looked up at her, poised on the steps. Her face was as pale and drawn as theirs. Her blood had flowed as much as theirs. She had lost friends and loved ones. Yet she still went on. Mothers who had lost children, wives who had lost husbands, and all the rest grasped her to them as if she was the last symbol of their hope. And so Ashime received their roar of challenge, their roar of anger. And for that moment, she too believed. Jerris held Ashime against his heart, inhaling the smell of her hair and the warmth of her body. Weaver whisperings passed between them, each cell and fibre calling to the other. Those about heard no words uttered, no pleadings to stay, only saw two bodies pressed against each other. How much more it was, they would never understand. The world contracted down to the two souls and two bodies that were so very nearly one. Ashime's stalwart spirit keened inside Jerris's head, pleading with him to find another way, telling him how much she'd hate to be alone, raging and railing against him for this decision. Don't leave, she whispered into the darkest recesses of his soul. Don't leave me. Her pain echoed through him. Jerris had sensed her flickering thoughts, how she'd played with the ideas of imprisoning him in the dungeon, of binding him to her with chains of steel, in a vain attempt to protect him. Of course, she'd caught his own response, that she would destroy him and everything else she loved by that action. Ashime treasured him enough to let him choose his own path, though it cut her deeply. How could she understand how difficult this was for him, when the depth and breadth of his pain he couldn't even comprehend? Jerris kissed her long and deep, like a diver taking a breath before sinking beneath the waves. She was not crying. Her jaw was set and her teeth clenched against it. Jerris felt her thoughts inside his head. She wanted to give him no quarter, even here and now. She wanted by sheer will to keep him from whatever foolish plan he'd made. This is it, my love, his mind whispered. No turning back. This is it. In her being, Ashime grasped the truth that he forced upon her. Her mouth pressed more firmly on his, tasting the sweetness that had only just discovered. Arching her body against his, he thought that they would merge into one being in that instant. But there was no other way. As in Dunleary, Jerris knew that this was simply so. No other could do what he had planned today. The sacrifice was not too great. One life that should never have been for all of those that did. He pulled away from her, and she let him, her arms folding about herself. You're a fool. 
their eyes said. My fool, my love. One of her hands escaped, though, and caught his, not being able to bear even a few moments from him. Not when that was all they had. Connor stood shoulder to shoulder with Crinus, battered and bruised. Guston leaned on his two-handed sword, and Myrick had a protective arm around Silistra. The ties that bind us, Jerris thought sadly. He already saw what others did not. This was probably the benefit of being near death. They nodded respectfully, not quite fully understanding. Jerris turned for the sally port. The sound of them snapping to attention made it glance back briefly. All of them, even Connor, gave the Scarlet Wolf salute. It appreciated the gesture. However, all it could feel was Ashime's hand trailing from its fingers, and all it could hear was the sound of her cry in its head. It clasped her chin in its hands, looking into her eyes. I love you, Ashime Kandra. It needed to say what they both knew. It needed her to hear it. Jerris took one last long, deep draught of the mead, letting the honey fire run down its throat. The alcohol burned in its blood. It was the only protection it had now. The cold mass of Skellig fell away. Now only the fire waited. Outside, the weavers stood, rank upon rank of them. There were so many that now Jerris understand they could have only piled themselves up against the wall and overcome them. Why they hadn't, it could not understand, yet. This mass of tormented flesh parted for it. It walked down this long avenue of weavers, breathing in their fetid odour, hearing the yammer of their thoughts against its own. It held them off with its own fast-failing strength. Against its back, Jerris could feel the growth of the Great Union. Such a thing had not been attempted in ten generations, yet now they dared it. It was a conflagration of power, dangerous in its unpredictability. It was like the rise of the sun, organic and powerful, as more and more mothers and godlings took their chances and joined. This spiritual and mental joining was bright, hot, and very unstable, and yet it was dwarfed by the presence Jerris now strode towards. The closer it got to that which carried the alpha weaver, the more twisted and inhuman the shapes became. Gills, claws, rough reptilian skin, all were used in fashions that were only dictated by the master's imagination. It was in Garen. Jerris had never seen the duke, but remembered him through Ashime's eyes. The Alpha had not changed much of his appearance. It liked the unique sensation of being human, but there was no doubting that it was other than human behind those eyes. They glowed with the gold light of its power. The sight chilled Jerris, bringing as it did vague remembrances of the past. All that had been shut off from it before was beginning to dawn. Already, Alpha was scratching at the door of Jerris's consciousness. Surprisingly, it seemed timid to enter fully. With Garen's eyes, it scanned its creature before it. You have come, you have come then. Jerris desperately slammed down all of its remaining mental defences. Everything depended on this last bid. It had to find a way to hold its attention until it had time to work. Yes. It is good. Alpha in Garen's body moved smoothly to its side. Power moved under the human skin, power that no one body could contain forever. The Alpha burned deeply, consuming flesh. Its actual physical body was across the deep, and though Jerris tried to get an image of it, none came. 
No sign here of the other weaver's imperfect control. Jerris shivered at the nearness of such power. Are you ready to come within? It asked. Jerris assessed its remaining strength. Perhaps only a few more moments remained of its control. I am uncertain. That is understandable, the Alpha replied. You have been too long away, child. Come within, and all will be given to you. Flesh, after all, knows flesh. And blood knows blood. You have not forgotten, then. I am afraid, Jerris repeated. Poor, sad, sad creature. You are beloved of us. Only once in a generation is the spawn freed upon the waves. The generations before were children of rage, but your spawn were children of beauty. Of all the hundreds cast to the dead ocean, only you have survived. Do you not remember? Bright images flashed inside its head, long, succulent whisperings within, the womb of flesh, the pain of birth. Then it recalled the lullaby of the sea about its carapace, bobbing to the ocean's swell like a hundred other spawn, playthings of fate. Only its lonely pod found the shore of Crisfell through all the violent miles of ocean. Child of my flesh, Alpha crooned, across the same sea and through the mouth of Garen. I waited for you to come from beyond the stone walls. I want you to realize what you are. Truly, you are the prince of weavers. Bright golden light of dawn, strong enough to sear the eyes, washed over them all. A shudder ran through Jerris's body. Panic leapt at it. Do not think of it, it repeated to itself. As she may in the moonlight, as she may curled against the rocks in the river, her mouth on his, the feel of her inside his head. This one, too, will come within, Alpha crooned. Never fear. She is one of our lost children also, a beloved and much-missed one. Within, you will all become one. Jerris thrust thoughts of her to the front of its mind, using her as a shield against the Alpha. Come within, come within. Garen's voice hummed the weaver lullaby until Jerris could feel the vibration of it in its very bones. Very well, it whispered finally. I come. Weaver arms reached out to embrace it, and Jerris stepped within that circle. Bone to bone, muscle to muscle, the Alpha swallowed it down. They twined and came to the swirling centre of the maelstrom, into which all weavers shifted and became part of. Spirit shrieked to spirit in a primeval call. Those closest came alight with a shared power, their physical flesh melding. Jerris only knew the flare of weaver power about it. For a brief, incandescent moment, all of Weaver kith and kin were laid open to it. All plans and dreams and aspirations and secrets were there for its absorption. Time was the real answer, time and place. And Connor, he too weighed upon the Alpha's mind. If only I could tell Ashime, was Jerris's last conscious thought as it was engulfed by the Alpha power. For in that moment, the Alpha became aware of what Jerris had been so carefully shielding from it, the last fateful measure of Matathael, barely enough against such as this rabble, certainly wasted against such a mass. 
but swallowed down by a determined one of them, made to lie quiescent with mead and ale, and then carried into the heart of the weavers to be released. Seconds before the power of the drug was expelled to the flesh, the Alpha rose in horror. Its rage knew no boundaries at such betrayal. Such wrath had never been known to it. Child of my own body, it cried. What have you done? Jerris never felt the blast of anger that shook it free of itself, dispersing it to the four winds. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter of Weaver's Web. If you want to get your hands on an e- or print edition of this novel, you can do so through my website, which is pjvalanntine.net. On this podcast, you've heard Ghost Song by Hands Upon Black Earth, which is available through magnatune.com. All other music in this podcast supplied by T. Morris. Find out more about T at tmorris.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you're enjoying this free serialized audiobook. If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Better yet, tell a friend and leave a contribution for the book at podiobooks.com. At least 75% of your donation will go straight to the author or producer. So please, be generous. And thanks for listening.